Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Guys, the world is opening back up, the states are opening up, we're seeing people out, it's Memorial Day weekend uh, as I'm recording this and man, downtown Greenville, South Carolina is packed with people, the bars are full of people, there's people at the park, I'm seeing video of people at the beach Um, and we know that the threat of COVID is not going away and infections are going up. And we have some staff members who want to be done with all of this. And we have other staff members who are high risk or they live with someone who's high risk and they are terrified and they're not done with all of this. How in the heck do we manage it? How do we manage clients when we've got some clients who really want to be very stringent in their health protections against COVID? And we have a lot of them that are kind of in the middle. And then we have some that are completely oblivious. And then we have some people who are adamantly opposed, not just like not into it, but like defiant about regulations and restrictions to uh, to keep people safe. And they walk past barricades and try to get in locked doors into the practice. Guys, this is not going away. And there's no virus coming or no uh, vaccine coming out in the next week or two. We are going to have to practice like this and manage those things and manage a split clientele that's divided and manage a staff that's divided. And, and uh, the economy is showing signs of bouncing back. And that's great. And there's puppies and kittens everywhere. And that's great. How do we make up the, the appointments that we put off? How are we going to keep up with this demand? Guys, if you're having these questions, the Uncharted Online Conference is for you. It is coming June the 11th. It is right around the corner. There are spots left. There's about 30-some spots left that people could have. Head over to UnchartedVet.com. Grab your seat. It is June 11th through the 14th. We're going to take a deep dive on all of this stuff. But this is where we are going. This is what the online conference is going to be about. You do not want to miss it. It includes six weeks in our uh, online community. And so there will be follow-up after the conference. You'll be able to see stuff that was recorded. If there's workshops you didn't get to go to, then you'll be able to go to them. But this conference is going to be for you if you are concerned about these things. So don't wait. Head over to UnchartedVet.com, hit conferences, and grab a spot in our online conference. I'll put a direct link down in the description. And with that, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. We are supported by Pet Desk. Guys, we know the word uh, telemedicine can cause anxiety. Pet Desk is here to make it simple with their all-in-one client communication platform. Guys, they've got streamlined tools, customized onboarding, and ongoing training for your people. And your clients get access to their five-star rated mobile app. You'll be up and running in no time. For Uncharted listeners, get Pet Desk free for 30 days and access to their virtual care tools free for three months. That includes video chat and unlimited two-way messaging, which lets you send pictures and video as well as text. Go to PetDesk.com slash Uncharted to get started. PetDesk.com slash Uncharted. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie. We are never, ever, ever getting back together, gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my uh, God, that's totally how it feels. Yes. <laughs> we are never, ever, ever, ever getting back together at the vet clinic. Um or at Uncharted. <laughs> uh, yeah, or yeah, at Uncharted. We are going to get back together at Uncharted. I, I, we are going to get back together, but not right now. And you know what? Uh, speaking of of not getting together at Uncharted, we got this. The uh, the online conference registration is open right now. Yeah, did you know that. I I did, and I'm did. I'm super excited that uh, we have the capacity. 
as much as I'm sad that we won't be in the West End at Greenville in Greenville, um, I am excited that doing the conference digitally allows us to open it up to some more people um, than our normal in-person event, which is really exciting. We've had a lot of new people join the community um, in the last few weeks, and I'm looking forward to getting to meet some of those new faces online. So I think it's going to be awesome. I have been honestly surprised that Uncharted has grown during the pandemic. Like that's been, that's been amazing to me, but like it's, it was built for this. It was great to have that sort of support in that community. You know, the, the hardest thing right now with the um, online conference is getting people to not think that it's going to be like all the other online events that are out there where you like sit and watch webinars, essentially. And to try to help people understand, it's like, no, you haven't seen this before, but it is going to be really interactive. Like this is an, this is, these are discussion groups and workshops and hands-on stuff. And so I don't know how to make people believe that, but that's what it's going to be. Yeah, I am. um, Well, I think it's hard to make people believe it because I don't, it's something new, right? Like it's, it's like the very first time we did Uncharted and (laughs) it was like, we're doing what? Yeah. (laughs) What the heck is this? Right. (laughs) I think it's that same, it's that same feeling and that same vibe, which is why, we're super, you know, excited. I've been talking to members from the community who are like, you know, we, we, we took the time off out of the clinic and we are sending the kids over to family's house so that the kids are out of the house. And they're like, we're going to dive in for four days and we cannot wait. Yeah. There's people getting hotel rooms so that yeah. they can be uninterrupted yeah. from yeah. this conference. So yeah. Okay, cool. So the, the conference is June 11th through the 14th. Uh, registration is open. You guys can check it out. Head over to unchartedvet.com and click conferences. I'll drop the link down below so you can get directly and take a look at it. But we do have about 40 more spots that we're opening up. Uh, if you are bold and you want to do something new and interesting, jump in. That also includes six weeks uh, in the online community. And if you love the online community, you can roll that in uh, to your membership and be with us for a whole year. So anyway, uh, you guys check that out. But it is um, it is coming up in three short weeks. Cool. Let's get into this episode here. Um, so uh, it's very related. So the, the topic of the June online conference is coming back, recession-proofing your practice, navigating our current situation and getting ready for the next year really in the COVID mm-hmm. world and the reemergence from that. So that is what, that is the main theme of the conference. And uh, so if you're, if you're super pumped on about this episode, we're getting ready to do, you really want to be at this conference be, because this is, this is very much in the vein of what we'll be doing there. Yeah. All so right. you and I were talking right before we we went live and we were talking about how things are going and you are um in a space in South Carolina where you guys are starting to open things up, right? <clears throat> yeah. Uh yes, I think that we are uh you know, it was funny with uh with Uncharted we got to watch the people on the West Coast figure things out first. And then we had right. a massive advantage because you know, we had members say again and again we were ahead. We were a solid two to three weeks ahead of every right. other practice in our area. We just, we knew what was coming. We had plans. We, coming into this, we, we clobbered everyone around us because we mm-hmm. had the uncharted 
connection and community. Well, I was very much in that boat and I was like, this is great. Like I'm, I'm talking to Stephanie, I'm seeing what they're doing in, in Washington and way over here in South Carolina. I, we were, I was just loaded for bear. Like we were just ready right. to go. Right. And well, now the tables have turned because <laughs> South Carolina and Georgia and the South, the Southeast right. U.S., is the first to open back up. And so now we are dealing with the um, with the flip side of that, which is uh, receding. And, and what does it look like when the world around you is going back to normal or wants to go back to normal? And so yeah. we are very much in the uh, frustrations that are coming for everyone which is, I, I hate to say it, but I'm just going to be real, real candid here. Um, there are, there is a large group of people who believe this was all a hoax. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there are a yeah. large group of people who believe that this was an election year thing. And, and I don't want to get into that, but that's what they believe or that the whole thing was overblown or whatever. And they don't want to hear about staying in their cars. And they don't want to hear about not being allowed to come into the building. And, and it, it, was, it was weird. We didn't have that much of a problem of getting people to go to that. I know that some, I think that was the bigger worry is like, how do we tell clients about this? When we started telling right. clients about it, they were generally really good. And they were right. like, oh, this is good. Well, now as we've gone along, people have decided more and more that, that they don't believe this or they're done with it or, or whatever. And so we're having a harder time keeping them in their cars now than we did keeping them in the cars at the very beginning. And so yep. there, there is some of that, and there is, there is some rhetoric that comes along with this. And, and, and some of the staff is that way, too. Some of the staff doesn't really buy in. They don't want to wear masks. They, you know, they want to be done with, mm-hmm. uh, with this whole thing. And it's honestly more challenging now in some ways than it was very early in the, in the pandemic. Yeah, I I will agree with that 100%. I think um, I know I have experienced it in the clinic and of course seeing it in a lot of uncharted practices where we're having conversations about about those exact things like how do I get my team to keep their masks on? You know, now I know they're hanging out outside of work and doesn't that defeat the purpose of social distancing and you know, what do I what do I do about that? And I think even like you said, even those um you know, our client base was so, um, uh, you know, embracing and welcoming when we made the changes originally. And they were like, we're so happy with how you're handling this. Thank you for thinking about us and our pets. And now those same clients are like, you know, beating on the door. What do you mean? You can't see me for, um, you know, uh, examine vaccines until June, you know, and, and on top of, I think every veterinary practice, to some degree is starting to deal with on top of all of the navigating COVID that we're doing, we're all starting to hit the late spring, early summer crazies, right? And so the business is is booming. We have all of these patients who for years have typically been in the cycle where they come in from May to August because that's when they're due. And so we all know how busy summer is um, for preventive care on top of all of the emergent stuff that happens when people are out living their best lives in the sunshine and pets are at the beach and getting hurt and things are happening. And so I think for, I know for us, that has brought a whole new level of overwhelm because we were already stretched very thin in terms of where we could get patients to fit in in the schedule. 
um, in terms of trying to maintain distance and take care of the staff and the team and take care of the clients um, from a social distancing perspective. And then when you add a giant caseload on top of that, it feels very overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is tough. And so this is going to be a big episode. Uh, I think this is, going to, this is a really tough episode. Uh, everybody should know that Steph and I are, are, we don't have all the answers here. We've worked through a lot of this. There's a lot of wisdom that's come out of Uncharted. Uh, but I, I think we've got, we've got a lot that we have figured out that it seems to be working uh, from, from our Uncharted members that we're going to kind of put together here and, and try to give some guidance. Know that there is, there is no silver bullet. And the frustrating thing about what we're going to lay down is it does vary with with your circumstance, and I just that's just the reality of it. This is very much one of those things where you can ask me a question, and I will say it depends every time. Well, it depends, yeah. and 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 then I'll try to they'll give you I'll give you an answer. I'll give you I'll say why it depends, but just get ready to hear it depends uh, today as we talk about reemergence. We're gonna, we're going to talk about where we are now, and we're going to talk about coming out of the uh, out of the pandemic and going forward and strategies to do that. Do you, uh, do we have a, we have a mailbag question. Do you want to read it? Yeah, we do. So, um, this actually came out of some, some conversations that we were having and, um, someone sent us a note and said that after participating in some discussion we were doing in the group, um, where we were talking about teams who, okay, we started the pandemic and a lot of hospitals switched to running teams to some degree, whether it was one week on, one week off, three days on, four days on, whatever, however they could split their team apart in the hopes that if someone on the team got sick, that the entire practice didn't have to close down for two weeks. And so for a large portion of the country, we still have a lot of practices that are running in some sort of team mode. And so a lot of the teams were starting to talk about how do we move from that to some sort of middle ground where we kind of reintegrate the teams um, because we we just can't keep this up. Either we have too high of a caseload, now we do have people out and we don't have enough bodies to cover the schedule, or our area has lifted restrictions and so now it's full speed ahead. And so how do we start to merge the teams together? And when we started having that conversation, there was a lot of clinics who were really struggling with um, the team coming back together and just some cultural and attitude concerns actually within the, their own teams, not having anything to do with the clients. And we got an email um, and, and someone said, you know, I'm beginning to feel like the hardest part of all of this is not going to be the finances or catching up on patient care. It's going to be reclaiming our practice culture and reintegrating our teams. I'm kind of scared about it. And, um, I think that echoed the sentiments that everybody in the conversation that we were having as part of Uncharted was, was having, because, um, there are some big concerns with having a team, having a business that you worked so hard to build and then radically changing everyone's lives by splitting into teams or having some people work from home and some people not adding telemedicine, all of the things that we've done to protect our teams, to protect our clients, um, to offer the best possible patient care that we could with this coming back together. Now, um, how do we, how do we re-merge? How do we recreate ourselves? Because when we split, especially for those of us who split into two teams, we effectively took one functioning unit and split it apart. 
and then figured out how to have two functioning units. And it's weird. You would think that people who had worked together before and who had, you know, got along just fine, and then you put them back together, that everything would go back to being the same. And what we found in the course of the conversation is that there are, are a lot of practices that are struggling very significantly culturally with bringing the teams back together. Yeah. All right. I want to break this up into four things. So, so four areas okay. I want to walk through. So the first thing is, let's talk about the realities of the state around you opening back up. So what does that, what does that mean for our practices? So let's talk about that. Let's talk about, do we want to reintegrate the teams now? How do we know when it's time? Mm -hmm. That's number two. Number three, why don't our teams want to do this? Like when we decide it's time to shift, what pushback are we getting and why are they, why are they pushing back? And so let's talk about that as number three. And then number four, how do we address this? Like, how do we, how do we do this? How do we bring them together and maintain the culture, the culture? So number one, realities of opening up. Number two, when do we integrate? Do we want to integrate now? Number three, why does our team push back against reintegration? And number four, how do we address it? <coughs> Sound good? Yeah. All right, yeah. cool. So let's talk about the realities of the state opening up. The, um, again, speaking from South Carolina, what I say, I went to, um, I went to a home Depot yesterday. We needed uh, some repair stuff, got a toilet that's running. I had to go get some stuff. And so I go to home Depot and I put my mask on and I went into home Depot and I walked around. I was the only person wearing a mask. I mean, I was the, literally the only person I looked after a while. I look, I'm, I'm the only doofus here with a mask, but I'm not a doofus. I know, I, I know what I know. I've done research. Like I, I, I want a mask and I want other people to wear masks, but they are not wearing masks. So I am the only person in Home Depot with a mask. And I rocked my homemade bumblebee pattern mask proudly through Home Depot as I went. I got my thing out. And I know that shopping is a fairly low risk activity. I get it. Right. I still um, anyway, I'm trying not to get in my own, in my own thoughts and beliefs on, uh, the pandemic and what people should or should not do. And, and that's the point. What I have seen is you are not going to control other people. You cannot control what your clients do. You cannot control what, um, I, I, away from your practice anyway, you cannot control what your staff does after they clock out. And you need to accept that and realize that. And my wife is yeah. a, is a major rule follower. Right. She's brilliant. Right. Like perfect scores and everything she ever did in school. Like she gets it right. She does exactly what she's supposed to do. This thing, this reality is yeah. torturing her. Like I, I, she, every day when, every time she comes home from anywhere, the grocery store, and we don't go out a whole lot. Whenever she goes out, she comes home and she's upset because people are not following the rules. They're walking the wrong way down the one way yeah. aisles. They're yeah. not wearing masks. You know what I mean? There's a woman handling the strawberries in the, in the produce section, which I totally get. Yeah. I get upset. I'm like, Oh no. Um, but those like, that's the reality of my house. Mm -hmm. And so my mantra has become, we cannot control what other people do. All we can control is how we react and what we do. And so the Rourke family is in quarantine until at least the 1st of June. Yeah. Even though, and we're recording this uh, around mid-May, um, we, we're in quarantine for another two solid weeks. And the reason is because South Carolina opened up a week ago, and we're not going to be in the first wave. 
We are going to wait and we are going to see what happens. Right. And then we will make an educated decision based on what happened as people started to reintroduce themselves into uh, society. And so, so that, that is us taking control of what we can do, but Mm -hmm. we are having, as the state has opened up, you know, I, God, I'm so naive sometimes. I, I, I hoped, and I know this is stupid, but I just wanted to believe it so much. I was like, you know, when the state opens up, people will take personal responsibility for their own wellness and they will make good educated decisions about what they, because we don't need the government to make rules. I mean, really people, uh, people can govern themselves and be smart. Like you don't have to be required to stay at home to know that you should stay at home or minimize trips out. Like that doesn't need to be a rule for people to do it. That's not true. It uh, apparently it absolutely has to be a rule or people are like, we're out of this thing. Yeah. Spring break. Woo. You know, yeah. and they're, yeah. and they're, you know, and they're throwing cookouts and it's like, you know, well, just, a party in just the look at all the, yeah, just look at all the pictures of all the beaches in the Southeast, you know, and there's just massive amounts of people on the beach, you know, within six feet of each other. Oh yeah. Myrtle beach, South Carolina, the dirty Myrtle yeah. is, uh, <laughs> is, 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 but it's just, I mean, Greenville, South Carolina is a beautiful, beautiful place. It's why we hold the Uncharted Spring Conference in Greenville. And it's that time, it's this time of year. And the downtown is just packed. I mean, shoulder to shoulder, people downtown strolling around. And I get it, like it's beautiful. But, you know, so anyway, and then at the clinic, there, that the idea that the government says we are not locked down anymore. So we are going back to normal. Like that is a pervasive idea. So I have a question for you. So Washington being in the first wave and the hardest hit up front has been very overly cautious um, and has been very methodical and looking at the data and the science from the, Mm -hmm. from the beginning. And, um, you know, although Seattle is very, very, um, you know, on the left scale, um, Mm -hmm. This is, this is, there's a lot of parts of the state that are very conservative. And so mm-hmm. I think that plays into how people approach it. And we have a lot of people here who are like, we're done with this. Let's, let's move on. Yep. Um, but our government is looking at it from a, from a very science-based approach. And so um, one of the things that they have done is said, okay, all of these other states are starting to open up. And so now we want to watch their numbers Good and we want to watch yeah. and see what, what's happening. Right. Yeah. So they have, um, they have given businesses a very thorough and detailed plan, all businesses to say, okay, when we get to the point where we're going to open back up, here are the things that you have to do in, in South Carolina, in terms of reopening, did you guys get, um, was it just like, okay, now we're done, go on with your lives and we're not going to give you any more information. Or did you get like specific, these are the things that you have to do as a business to, keep your employees and your clients safe. How did that look for you guys? Well, yeah. So uh, again, like I hate that politics are sort of tied up into, into this and I'm not trying to make it about that, but we right. uh, literally our governor said, I need to go get a haircut <laughs> like that. He literally was like, All right, and we're going to lift restrictions guys. I think I need, I need to go a get a haircut. And that's literally what he said. 
And so that is the message coming from okay. leadership in at least in our state. All okay. right. So yes, okay, that's fair it. Enough. Um, the well, and I think that's the reality, right? Like we're going to have every, there's a, there's a there's a rainbow, and there's one end and the other, and on this spectrum, there's going to be everything in between, right? Well, <laughs> so yes, but but so so let's talk about that because that that's where I was sort of going with this. I believed naively before the restrictions were opened that there would be a spectrum very much so. And people would be kind of everywhere where their comfort level was in the spectrum. And maybe that is true, but the vast, um, the loudest voices by far are the polar ends of stay home. Don't go out, you know, um, do not, do not get within 10 feet of people, no matter what. And then the other side of, this is a hoax. This mm-hmm. is all a joke. You know, we should, we're, I am doing what I want to do. And I, and the truth is that I do think that people are honest to God in the middle much more than at the extremes, but the extremes are what you hear at because these are the people right. who complain because your uh, restrictions in your clinic are not stiff enough or right. Because they're angry that you have any restrictions. And so you hear it from those people and not so much from the people in the middle. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that what happens is that we, when we hear those loud voices, we do get into a either or idea of we're either locking down or we're throwing up our hands and letting it go. And our staff gets into that. And if the choices are locking it all the way down or letting it all go, a lot of them choose letting it all go because locking it all down just seems unreasonable and we're too busy. And so if I have to pick one of those two, I'm going to take, give me, give me nothing. And I think that that's the mindset. And um, so I, I think that that that's a big part of the reality of what we're seeing is that you are, as soon as the state opens up, you will hear from the loud voices that believe this was all junk and they should be able to do what they want. And honestly, it's funny. Why do people get upset? Like, why are they so upset? I do believe it's a self-identity thing. I think that these people have decided that they don't want to be quarantined anymore. And if you make them feel guilty about the decision to not wear a mask, to, to, to go out and do whatever they want, to hang out with their friends, to go to the bar, to go eat at restaurants, they get angry. And you go, well, I would never make them feel bad when we make them stay in their car. We are essentially saying you're wrong and you're, you're making a bad choice. And so they, uh, some people do see that as an attack on their beliefs, I think. And that is why you get people who walk past barricades and pull on locked doors that mm-hmm. have big signs on them that say, stay in your car. I think that that's why I I really do think that they don't want to be, they don't want to hear from you that they're making a bad choice uh, or that, or that they're incorrect in their behaviors because people are really, 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 really good at justifying their own behaviors. And, uh, and, and, and I think that there's a lot of that going on. Well, and I think the other thing for clinics that's really, really hard is, that same spectrum feel. Um, and there's a lot at e- I think, again, there's a lot at either ends, but because, because this whole thing, like we have the, the national level, but really very much every state is managing things themselves. And so 
whether we like it or not, politics play into that. But that aside, every state is issuing different levels of guidance to businesses. And so that practice ours are left going, okay, some of us are in states where, like you, the governor's like, I'm going to go get a haircut. So everybody's back to doing whatever you want. And it's business as usual. And then you have states like mine where it's at no joke, literally like a 32 page list of things that we have to do as a business. And I'm left going, okay, how do I, how do I do all of these things? How do I, how do I prepare to uh, make sure that I'm being safe for my clients and our patients and our staff? Um, How do I, how do I handle this? And so I think for clinics, it's um, in terms of thinking about how to open up, I think it has to start with really getting comfortable and knowing what your local level advisement is, because unfortunately there's no like nationwide, this is what we're all doing thing. There hasn't been since the beginning for any of this for us. And so I think you have to start with where am I located? What are, what are the requirements? And then from there, try and navigate. How do you, how does your team feel? How do you personally feel? And I think that's why this is such a struggle for a lot of us that there are no two practices that are the same and we're all, we're all operating differently and we're all trying to figure out like, is this right or is it wrong? And you have no, um, you know, guideposts to try and help you figure that out because everybody's doing things differently. Right. Well, and nobody can see the future. None right. of us know where we're going to be right. in a month. We like, right. we, we, we really, nobody knows. And so right. when nobody knows the future and everyone's doing it differently, it is frustrating. So yeah. I just, I want to touch on the atmosphere. I think most of us are either in or they're going to be in. So I'm good with leaving that as sort yeah. of the realities that we're looking at. Yeah. Let's talk about, um, do we reintegrate? teams and when do we reintegrate teams so a lot of us split into teams or into pods into groups to uh, to protect ourselves in case someone got sick we could say well these people are not working with those people and so we do not have to quarantine these people at home and we can continue to go on and it is an insurance policy and so that's why we we split the teams up Mm -hmm. i uh do we reintegrate? And I think a lot of people are going, the state is opening up. Our caseload is increasing for the reasons that you said, and it's really increasing. And I think it's going to continue to increase. It's going to increase because we had a ton of people adopt puppies and kittens over their quarantine period. And so we've got a bunch of little bitty puppies and kittens and they're coming in for a lot of puppy and kitten visits. So we got a lot of those more disproportionately more than usual. So we've got that. We've got regular puppy and kitten season, uh, especially kitten season on top of us right now, we've got the summer rush that's mm-hmm. starting to come in. And if we put off wellness appointments, if we discouraged well pet visits, we're now four to six weeks past that pushback. Right. And those people want to get in. And so now we're right. like, oh, well, everything that we turned away, we kind of have to deal with going into the summer. And so we're feeling great pressure to yeah. get back, get everyone together and run wide open as, as a single unit. Do you agree? Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think the way that a lot of practices 
Um, and, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of them through Uncharted and through the, the various manager groups that I participate in and everybody was like, okay, well, how do we, how do we figure out the right time? And it seems like for a lot of us, and I know this was the case for me, my thought was, okay, well, I'm going to stay in pods or teams or whatever you're going to call it until the stay at home order is lifted. And yep. at least that was like a guidepost, right? Yeah. Like, it was okay, like an but, external thing when you're alive. Right. It, it, it was something yeah. outside of your control. And you're like, look, we're right. tying our pods right. to the stay at home order. Right. Makes sense. Yep. Yep. And so for us, it was, okay, we're going to be this way until May, um, through May 4th. And great. Okay. That's a, you know, it was a finite amount of time. I had, it, it had a beginning and an end. I could tell clients, this is what we're doing. This is what, this is what has happened. And then we got into April and then it became very apparent that our numbers here were still climbing. Um, we started to decline. And so everybody was like, okay, now it's time. The state said, okay, well, we're going to extend that. And we have colleagues who are in places where their state or their local municipality looked at the data and said, you know what, we're going to extend this. And there is no date that we're attaching to this. It's going to be this way until we see things dramatically change. And I think that was a major, um, a major shift for a lot of people in terms of how do I navigate this with the clinic? Because suddenly something that seemed doable um, for four six weeks, when you talk about stretching it out into six, eight, 10 and 12 weeks, is it so doable anymore? And I know that's, that's what I faced in, in the practice. It was like, cool, I got this. I can split into two teams. We can cover the schedule four weeks, not a big deal. If somebody gets sick, we can even work with, you know, half the team for two weeks while they recover, not a big deal. But now when we're talking about stretching out into, you know, six, eight, 10 weeks, I can't, I can't do that anymore. I, I don't have the bodies. I don't have the capacity. We've got all of this business crushing down on us. Our surgery schedule is now booked out. Instead of two months, we're now looking at four months out. And what do, what, you know, what do I do with all of this? And so I think for a lot of clinics, what we were hearing is that's what they were looking at is like, in terms of trying to make the decision of when is the right time to merge and change things, it was a very much originally tied to the stay-at-home order for a lot of states. And then um, as things started shifting, I think a lot of clinics started trying to figure out, well, is that the right date? Do I go two weeks beyond that? Like you, like you mentioned, there, do you want to be part of the first wave? Do you want to keep things in reserve until you get past that and see what things look like? And that's an individual decision for every clinic. And I know that it's something that a lot of clinics are really struggling with figuring out what feels like the right timing. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, realities to remember as you ponder this decision. Uh, and, and so I want to put the first one down. What we learned in the pandemic coming on is that it is better to make fewer changes and, uh, and to be very intentional about them. Mm -hmm. Because if you make a number of small changes, then you quickly get change fatigue from your mm -hmm. team and they start mm -hmm. to say, oh, we're always changing things and blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah, blah. And so mm -hmm. we sort of counseled the uncharted practices at the beginning, go, go bigger than you think, you mm -hmm. know, just do it and don't, don't stepwise because ultimately you're going to end up with the client's curbside, which is exactly mm -hmm. what happened. 
Mm-hmm. But we had people, you know, we, we took one step and then another mm-hmm. step. And frankly, what we got was frustrated teams when people did that, as opposed yep. to just saying, this is where we're going. Do it. Rip the Band-Aid off. Make one change. Get everyone mm-hmm. on board for this one change and then do it. And, and I think the same thing with, with, with sort of reintegration. The concern, one of the concerns to balance is if there's a second wave, if reintegration means a spike in cases and and we will see that in South Carolina here and in Georgia where you know where we're the canaries in the coal mine because we're going first mm-hmm. uh, if if there is a big spike then things are going to revert back to lockdown or you will see th- or see states pushing the other way mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. m- one thing that we could that we can do and I guess sort of what uh, you could take the approach that I sort of take with my family which is to say the state has lifted these restrictions. We are going to wait 30 days mm-hmm. and see what the fallout is. And if cases spike, then we may end up back uh, in, you know, in shelter in place. And we do not want to make those changes. But then you're at least giving people, you are giving them a deadline. You are saying we are going to wait and see mm-hmm. this long. And, um, and you can tell them what you're looking at and why you're waiting. But if you decide to go and reintegrate, then go and reintegrate. And if you're deciding to wait, then my advice is wait. But stepwise changes, um, too many stepwise changes make change fatigue and people get burned out and they feel like the world is just uncertain and, and they do get really frustrated. Well, and I think the other the other thing, I think that's a, a super smart point and I think the change fatigue is a huge part of, um, as practice leaders, what all of us have had to deal with over the last few weeks, because even the most um, amicable, um, amiable teams out there, when you throw, you know, five, six, seven changes at them in a four day span, they're going to get frustrated. Mm-hmm. They're going to, they're, they're going to be upset. And, and, and so um, I think, I think the other side of that is um, is communication as a, as a leader. Like we talked about this early on, it is so important to overly communicate right now with our with our teams and also with our clients. And the reality is, if you're making a lot of changes, um, smaller changes more frequently, no matter how good you're communicating, it's still going to become a muddled mess for someone at some point, because it's hard to keep up with all the things. But if you do it in a broader stroke, it makes the communicating a little bit easier. Um, And so I think that's something to consider too, is that even if we've been doing a fantastic job communicating with our team, with our teams and our clients, I think when it comes to these kind of changes, think about how we can do it in broader strokes helps on both sides of that. Um, concern. Yep. Yeah. So factors that, that will influence our decision to uh, integrate. Number one, the idea of putting teams together and then taking them back apart, mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. that gives me a headache. And so yep. just put that on the table as number one. Number two, what is the attitude of your clients? And, you know, again, yeah. this is where so it depends. Uh, I live in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, and, or so let's take you, you, so, so you're, uh, you're outside of Seattle. There is Seattle, mm-hmm. which is a big blue dot 
in a big red sea of Washington. Uh, right. And again, we're, we're broad generalizations, but Seattle seems to be a fairly liberal uh, city mm-hmm. versus a rural uh, region around your mm-hmm. clients in Seattle proper may feel very differently about what is yeah. appropriate and what they want from their veterinary and how they want to be treated than your clients outside of that area. And I'm not saying yep. you should just do what the clients want, but it, we've got to have that in our mind as we decide how are we going to move forward. I mean, this is a business. We need to, we need to factor in the wishes of the people that we serve in some way, shape, or form, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the second thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The third thing is, what does your team want? What pressure yeah. are you getting from the interior leadership. Are they concerned? Are they not concerned? Do you have high risk people in your practice? Do you not have high risk people in your practice? If your practice is all people in their twenties and early thirties and they're frustrated and that's all of them. Well, that's a different uh, beast from if you have a more mature practice and you have people in their forties and fifties and sixties and your practice owner is 72 years old, you know, um, which, Mm -hmm. which I see a lot. The, you know, those people are living in a different reality. And so mm-hmm. that, again, it, it depends, but the internal reality of your practice is also, uh, something to weigh in. And the other thing that I'd put in is what, what are your personal beliefs? If you are the, if you're the decision maker, if this is your practice, you're the independent practice owner, um, what, what's, what's important to you? And I, I think that that's, I think that that's something we have, um, you know, we have very, we have a, a number of very principle driven practices in Uncharted and we have people there who are like, I don't care what the clients want. This is, this is what I'm, I am a scientist and this is what I believe. And this is what the mm-hmm. data says. And we will be taking a data driven approach to how we run our business. And that's mm-hmm. not wrong at all. But, you know, fortunately for them, they are in a position where they own the place and they can decide that that's what they're going to do. And so right. all Personal beliefs is another thing that I would put on the table. So all of those things are factoring into my decision of uh, when to make the reintegration. Well, and I think for me, there was two more things that I had to consider. And one was um, one they both had to do with the team and and capacity. And so one is um, tying to your point about high risk people, but also looking at the team and saying, We've got team members who now for, what are we, mid-May, so for over six weeks um, here in Washington, because we were in the beginning of it, who have been dealing with kids out of school. So I've had people working alternate, myself included, working alternative schedules for over six weeks now um, because there's there's kids at home or because we're dealing with, um, you know, living in homes with um, high-risk individuals and all of those those factors. And then just the normal everyday life for everybody people get sick people have um you know people need to take time off and that the that ties to the next factor for me which was the mental mental well-being of my team which is which is big when you're running full speed from 8 a.m to 6 p.m and you're gotta you've got a completely booked schedule and you're taking six and seven to ten drop-offs on top of that completely booked schedule and you're trying to cram you know, seven surgeries into a, you know, three or four slot surgery day that takes its toll mentally on the team, um, very quickly. And so for me, part of it was looking at, okay, I, I made this decision because I felt like this decision was protecting the team. And now I'm wondering if this decision is actually, if we've gone past the tipping point 
and if this decision is actually putting the team further at risk by staying separated and working leaner and meaner, we can, all of us can do that for a short, finite period of time. Mm -hmm. We're talking about extending that out over time. Suddenly I was looking at this team going, I can't lose them. And if they burn out, I can't, I can't do this anyway. So maybe I need to look at moving the, moving the, the timing up sooner than I, than I thought. Yeah. I, I think that's a great, I think that's a great point. If what you're doing now is not sustainable for the people, th- that may be all there is to it is we just can't keep working like this. And and the other, the last part that I would throw in as well is what are the finances of your business? If you're yeah. saying, Andy, we we're, we are steadily losing money and yeah. we cannot, like we did the most responsible thing that we could. And we're nearing a point where it's going to be the point of no return. Where, you know, we, we, we took the biggest economic hit that we could do. We got our PPP loan money for payroll and we have, and we're blow, we're blowing through it and we don't think there's more coming. Um, we have got to increase our capacity to stay yeah. in business. And now that the state is opening back up, we're, we've got to relax some, mm-hmm. some of what we're doing so that we can carry on and stay in business and continue to support our community and, and provide a, a viable living for our, for our um, employees. And so that, that's another thing to factor in. And I just want to, mm-hmm. now that we've laid all these things out, I'm going to make it even harder for people and say, I don't think there's a right answer. I, I, right. I really don't. Yeah. I, I, I think we all have to make the call and that's going to cause some frustration because you may choose to say, you know what, we're going to be as absolutely responsible with our employees' health as we possibly can. And that is what we believe in. And the guy down the road, you don't know this, but he doesn't have that option. He's about to go under right. or he's got serious right. financial problems um, or he took out a big loan right before this all hit. He didn't have that option. And so he's going to go wide open because that's what he needs to do. And God, it feels so bad and it makes you so mad when other mm-hmm. clinics are just uh, doing what they want. And I can tell you that in South Carolina, we were never really mandated to do anything, which means we absolutely had clients who never, or uh, had clinics that never saw clients in their car. They totally mm-hmm. ran business as usual. Mm-hmm. And I heard from a lot of their staff who were really upset that mm-hmm. said, my mm-hmm. boss is blowing this off and yeah. and just doing what they want. And, and that's a whole nother episode. But, um, but just know that whatever decision you make, other people are going to make different decisions and that's just what it's going to be. And and so you just, you have to, you have to be at peace with that. Yeah. And I would say from speaking from my own experience and having a less than stellar, um, <laughs> a less than stellar reintegration from the team perspective, I would say no matter what, there is no right decision and you have to look at so many factors. And I would say if you can figure out a way to explain that to your team and say, these are the things that I looked at, these were the things that I considered and have them be able to see that you not only were looking at the numbers, which is what a lot of people are going to lean to and say, Oh, well, you're just, you just care about the money. You want us to make more money. Well, yes, that is, that is a piece of it. If I don't run a business smartly, there will be no business here to write you a paycheck. So that has to be a part of our reality but there were other factors involved. And for me, a huge part of that was my team's health and mental well-being, their physical health and well-being, the client's 
um, physical health and well-being, all of those factors, figure out a way to lay that down for your team so that they understand the why behind the what that you're doing in your practice. Otherwise, it's going to make it significantly more difficult to try and bring everybody back and get them to buy into change. Yeah, I agree. So I want to leave this section of uh, when do we integrate with Mm -hmm. a quote that I said to my daughter, my oldest daughter last night. Uh, The quote is, uh, I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everybody. And I think that that is exactly uh, true. And that is going, know that that is going to be true when you reintegrate Uh, or don't. If you don't reintegrate, there will be people who are unhappy. And if you do reintegrate, there will be people who are unhappy. And if you try to make everybody happy, you will be miserable and stressed and you will fail. And so just know that and and make the best call that you can make and just know that it's not going to be pretty and it's never going to be pretty, but that's not because of you. You are, you are not doing anything wrong. All right, let's move. Why don't the teams want to integrate? So, so this is, this is the sort of the gist of it. People said, you know, how do I, how do I, how do I, how do I protect the culture and reintegrate the teams? This is really hard. Let's talk about why this is hard. Cause it doesn't seem like it'd be hard. What, what are we seeing? It doesn't. So in the conversations that I was um, a part of inside our community and out, I think there were some common themes um, that I, that I, you know, want, wanted to share. And I certainly felt these in my own practice. And so I think um, the, the, we talked already about um, the division of some of the rule followers versus the non-rule followers. And that's kind of a really easy one, right? Like you're going to have some people on your team who are rule followers and some who are not. And so if you're in an area where they're like, okay, businesses can open up, you're going to have some people who agree with that and want to be the rule followers. And you're going to have some team members who are not and who have fears. And I think it's really important to, to acknowledge those fears because they're not irrational. Irrational. We right. have people on our team who are afraid of someone being sick and, and being around everybody on the team. We, you know, it's reasonable to understand that people are afraid of getting sick themselves. It's a reasonable to understand that people are afraid of getting burnt out. All of those things are not irrational fears. And I think we have to acknowledge them for our team because there is going to be some division of people between the rule followers and, and the not, the not rule followers. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, one of the other things that we saw, um, was in terms of the teams being split. I know that a lot of practices struggle. I know I did the way that we, we split our team started with just pure skill set and looking at how do I run a veterinary practice? The reality is I need certain skill sets on both teams to be able to operate. If I have a hit by car in that walks in the door, I need to have enough qualified people on both teams to run that while still running appointments. And so what do I do with that from a skill set perspective? And a lot of practices struggled with the skill sets being unevenly divided between team A and team B or pod, you know, however many teams you had. The reality is you have a finite number of people. And at some point, the skill sets get a little bit uneven between the team. And so, um, you know, that is that is a struggle and a reason for wanting to bring the team back together, I think, is like, hey, look, 
we're going to take this uneven divide that we've been dealing with and that the team has been struggling with. Now we're going to put us all back together and that should solve that problem. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> it, so I hindsight's 2020. I wish that we, that we could have, or we would have made an episode about how to split your team up. Yes. I like, again, I just, I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize how important it would be at the time or that there, you know, that people, I don't know that people even thought really about it. And, and we should have, we should have said something. Um, the way you split your teams up originally is going to have a huge impact on how you reintegrate and how smoothly it goes. And so, uh, if I could time travel back six to eight weeks, I think what I would say is, uh, split teams for culture, split teams for reintegration, meaning be careful about, um, about just letting people be with their friends. And I think a lot of people are like, Oh, these people get along really well. Let's put them on a team. Well, Mm -hmm. then what you have is you have a team, you have clicks, you essentially kind of made two Mm -hmm. clicks. Or you reinforce some clickishness that was there, and now you're trying to break the clicks apart. So now I got a little bit of a click problem. And so I I think that happened a lot. I think we split people by personality types, and we put the extroverts together and the introverts together. And now we have introverts who have just gotten really happy about not having extroverts uh, around, you know, and they're quite happy quietly working together. And so that's that's a personality thing. Um, We have have taken people – who who work well together and unfortunately sometimes people work well together because they have similar work ethics mm-hmm. and we have the hard workers and we have the less hard workers mm-hmm. and uh, you are probably call them the a squad and the b squad behind closed doors or even to yourself you haven't said it out loud but think about it do you have an a squad and a b squad mm-hmm. the a squad may not want the b squad back because right. they have realized how great it is to work with other people who work as hard as they do. And, um, and they don't want to go back. And so those, those are a number of reasons that I see as far as a culture standpoint. And like you said, from, from a safety standpoint, there are people who have high risk people in their family. They, they take care of their mother in the evenings, um, their elderly mother, or they, uh, they have a child with asthma uh, and they, they are, more concerned than the rest of the team. And so the team might be like, we're drowning. And this person is going, oh God, please don't put my child at risk. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and for those sure. things are real and, and we don't want to blow them off. So um, cultural concerns, just being, I, I don't want to go back with those other people. Uh, that right. probably comes from us, the way we split teams. And then the health concerns probably have nothing to do with the way we split teams. They're just people who have different priorities or they have different battles or different home struggles. Uh, one person is 20 years old in feels bulletproof and invincible and uh, really needs is, and is burning out. And person two has a high risk child uh, with asthma at home and, really needs to be safe and those mm-hmm. two people have conflicting priorities and they're both going to look at you as you start to talk about integration and they're going to have strong feelings yeah and i think another 
I, I think another big chunk of it that there was a lot of time spent discussing um, amongst the uncharted community was you as leaders, we looked at all of these factors when we split up our teams, or maybe we looked at none of them and we were just like, this team can actually physically work this schedule and this team can work this schedule. So that's how we're going to split it. Regardless of how we made the decision to split our teams, those of us who did, I think faced an element of how now who, who leads. So when we're all one team, most hospitals have a practice owner or a practice manager, someone who is like steering the ship and then a lot of us have departmental leads who help us make sure that the ship is staying on course, right? Well, when we've split up into smaller teams or pods, suddenly we're faced also with dividing that so that there's some form of leadership on each team. The reality is my hospital is a great example. When we split in, we split into two teams and we chose to do one week on, one week off. And um, we said, okay, I have a medical director and I have myself. We're going to make sure that one of us is on each team. Seems really even, right? Well, then when you layer in the fact that I live um, there, I have no family here. The daycares are closed. The kids are out of school. I'm one of the only ones on my team who has um, school-age children. And so I'm suddenly without childcare. And so I'm juggling being in the practice, but also having my kids with me. And so the reality is I've worked a lot from home and and schedule um, and shared the responsibility of having the kids with their dad. And so he's working in the morning and then coming home and, and taking a turn with them and I'm being with them in the morning. And then when he gets here passing off and I go in and work until, you know, 12 o'clock at night. So we have people who are working different schedules and suddenly my team, even though they have a leader, doesn't necessarily have someone present with them in the hospital every day. And so there is not necessarily supervision and leadership evenly distributed amongst all of the teams, no matter how good our intentions were for that. And I think a lot of teams really struggled with not having a true um, leadership presence on their team. And we heard a lot of feedback that those teams, um, really struggled when there wasn't someone who was who was doing the supervising on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis. And so suddenly when you take a team that has kind of been operating on their own with low supervision and put them back together with a team that maybe has had really high supervision and high direction from a leader and you're bringing them together even if they worked all together before they have been working very differently and very independently. And there's going to be some bumps in the road, moving them back together, no matter how hard we try. Yeah. Sometimes you don't realize um, how much you like working independently until you get a chance to work independently. And then you realize you really like it. Yeah. So, so I, I think that's true. Okay, cool. So those are all reasons that the staff may not want to go back together and there's probably a million more that we have forgotten and left off let's go ahead and so the point here i guess is there are valid reasons and we probably don't know what they are or we haven't heard what they are let's Mm -hmm. talk about how to move forward because we do at some point we do need to reintegrate this is going to happen so Mm -hmm. opening advice as we as we've made the decision we are, we are coming back together. Where, where do I, how do I start? Um, I would say start with communication. 
Um, I would say, you know, make what, however you're communicating as a team, like this is your opportunity to truly over communicate. And, um, even like, for example, uh, when we made the decision that we were going to reintegrate back together, we had a day where majority of our team was working. I had the team was on and one was off, but at the bigger team was working I pulled everybody together and I said, our two rooms six feet apart. And I said, here's what, here's what's going to happen. And here's why it's going to happen. And I laid it all out for everybody. And then for the team that wasn't present, I shared it with them on Slack and told them exactly why we made the decision that we, that we, that we made. Um, I think it helped. And I think despite my best efforts, there still were a lot of questions, which I wasn't so much anticipating I thought if Mm -hmm. we all get together and I explain to them why we're doing what we're doing that everything will be fine and what I Mm -hmm. found was that they still had a lot of questions and even people who stood in that meeting were like I don't understand why we're doing this and so I think um recognizing that they're gonna have questions and you're gonna have to have answers and or be able to say to them I don't have all the answers right now but this is what this is why I'm choosing to make the decision this is the information I have at hand and so here's here's what we're doing. But I think being prepared to communicate the why to your team is is where 100% where I would suggest starting. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So I I love it. Start with commu- with uh, communication. Communicate the why. I agree. I completely agree. Guys, we're going back together. That's bad. Um. So so I I would do this. Um. I would do this in a, in a stepwise manner. I completely agree. Start with communication. And that means, it means being transparent and it means being vulnerable, right? So if I want my team to buy into the idea that we need to come back together, I'm going to have to share some information with them, right? Mm-hmm. I am going to mention the fact that we are not seeing the caseload that we have got to see to stay in business. We have clients that are, and, and, and I'll tell you this, it's funny the way we say things matters as much as what we say. And so yeah. me saying we are not seeing enough people to say in business is different from me saying we are turning our clients away and they are not getting taken care of and they are, they are frustrated. And, and I hear that and, and I, we want to serve them. Your staff is going to respond more to the second, probably than the first, even though you think from a logical standpoint, you're like, of course they want to know that we're in financial trouble. It, right. they, they do. And you should say that but know that we are turning clients away who need us because we are not seeing enough appointments or we are not seeing enough pets. That that tends to matter more. So be smart about how you communicate this and communicate it in, in a way that they care about, but talk about the why. Why are we doing this? And, and, and so explain the why. The next part of it for me is asking for input on how they would like to reintegrate or do they have suggestions about the best way to do this? Mm-hmm. And then listen, and I would have it as an open discussion. And I would say, guys, in the next couple of days, come and, and talk to me and let me know if you have thoughts or ideas or suggestions. And this is about them making feel feel making them feel heard. Because again, this is a big change in their life. And you say, but Andy, it's so much more efficient to just tell them we're doing it and doing it. I disagree. I, I, I believe that the time you spend waiting for them to give you some feedback is going to save you so much time 
dealing with complaints and arguments and people feeling railroaded. And the other thing is that is the stuff that they say to you, a lot of it's going to be good. Like they are going to have some insight. Honestly, they know the way that the, that the culture in your practice works in a way that you don't. And they see things that you don't. And, and honestly, you should listen to them. And so I'm saying, we are going to do this. And here is why. Help me figure out the best way to do it. And I want your input. And I want us all together to work on this as we come together. In hindsight, I wish that you had had this conversation with me two and a half or three <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs> You did cover your face as I said that. And I thought, oh no. Because I did, I did the first, I, we had the meeting, we had the why, but I also was like, I have to make a decision now because I'm shorthanded. We, we had um, some circumstances where we actually um, uh, had a member of the team who wasn't working anymore. And so I looked at it and was like, we don't have enough bodies to cover this. This is, these are all of the things I made the decision. I explained the why to all of them. Um, but I was, I looked at it logistically met with my medical director. Cause I was like, we can talk on zoom and have a meeting very easily from a logistics standpoint. Let's just make a decision and let's do it. And, and, um, it didn't go so smoothly and we wound up doing exactly what you said, which was after the fact, I wound up getting more input from the rest of the team and we've made some changes since, but it would have saved me a lot of time and a lot of heartache and frustration and some, um, you know, door slamming arguments with some of my team if I had done that ahead of time. And so I would uh, totally agree with you. <laughs> on that point. It's always easier to manage a practice that's not actually your own. <laughs> it's so, so much easier when it's someone else's practice to just say, hey, why don't you do this? Um, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. But that that's 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 what I would um, ask for input. Um, I'm, I'm happy to ask for it in a public setting. I'm not debating stuff. Don't let them get into the weeds. Somebody say, well, I really think we should do this. And somebody says, well, I don't think we should do that. Don't debate it out. Just write both. Say that is a great suggestion. I understand why you say that. Uh, Karen, I understand why I understand your point as well. Let me write, I'm going to write it down. Let, let me sit with both of these things and go on. Don't let them bog down. Um, this is an idea generating exercise, not a 20 people set policy together exercise. That's terrible. Don't do yeah. that. Yeah. But <laughs> let them put forward their concerns, their right. ideas. Everybody gets patted on the back for participation and everything gets written down. Bang. And do I it. think a lot of people are probably going, well, but how do I, I'm not having team meetings. We're not supposed to be within six feet of each other. How do I do that? There, there's some really easy ways to make this digital. If you're using you know, if you have a, a team Facebook group or you're using Slack or some sort of communication tool, put up a message and just say, hey, guys, I would like your input on this thing. Can you send me a private message or can you send me an email or whatever method you're already using to communicate with your team? You know, do do the same thing here. Ask them for their for their um, participation. Yeah, I agree with that here. Uh, here's. So I love the digital way to do this. And I think that that's, that's very true and very accurate. I would lean on you a little bit right here. And I would say this is something that is going to affect people emotionally. Like we know it is. Just if you're like, no, it's, yeah, you're wrong. It is. Mm -hmm. So no, mm -hmm. it's going to affect them emotionally, which means text is dangerous. Text is not your friend. People imply tone 
they see snark or they, you know, yeah, sure. they, they, they read it the wrong way or they're looking for something they want to see. Um, you can do this digitally. I would make a video. I, I would, mm. I would use my iPhone and I would make a sit, not don't let it go forever, but I would make a minute or two long video, something that they'll sure. actually watch, but yeah, I would yeah. let them see my face and see my body language and hear my tone and hear my words. And so, yeah, you can do it digitally. Uh, I would film a little video uh, saying saying those things um, and, and then say, guys, here's the update on the teams and us coming back together. I need your input. Please watch. And then let them watch it. the video and then do it. But uh, yeah, yeah. Anything. Yeah. So te text is for information. Face-to-face um, -face phone is for um is for anything that's going to have emotion. This is going to have emotion. And so I, I want them to hear it from my mouth. And if I can't do it face to face uh, and I can't, I don't want to do a call. Then I, then I I'm going to do a video. So that's just, just rule of it. thumb for me is Texas for information, anything emotional face to face or the phone, or at least video so they can see me and humanize me as they hear this. All right. That, cool. that makes perfect sense. So, so we're going to start to bring people back together. And I know this episode is getting a little bit long. It's important though, so I, I, I'm I'm fine for us to go a little bit long. Um, he, here's here's how how I just want to bring this together, right? Uh, steps for me: do not fall into the trap of all or none. Do not fall into the trap of we are 100% lockdown or we're 100% open for business normally. That mm -hmm. is not the way of the world. And just be upfront with your team. We are, we are going to be somewhere in the middle. This is not, hey, do we go back to normal or not? This is, do we make changes to loosen restrictions? And the other thing that I would say to my team, too, and this is an important part for them to know and understand, part of us making a transition, it's not going to be loosing everything. In fact, mm -hmm. there are going to be some things that we are going to get more stringent about. Yeah. This is mm -hmm. not going towards, uh, just going back to normal. This is readjusting the precautions that we're taking so that we can bring our teams back together. And so what that means is, is guys, if we do come back together, you are going to refocus yourself on washing your hands, on sanitizing yes. your hands. You, yes. We are going to refocus ourselves on cleaning surfaces. We are going to clean the hell out of the yeah. bathroom sinks. And yeah. out of, you know, the, the countertops where people put their stuff, we are going to be cracking down on food in the break room and communal containers. Um, you are sure as stuff going to wear a mask mm -hmm. because the fact that we're all together makes the risk of having an infected person even right. greater because we can now all get wiped out. And mm -hmm. so I'm actually going to use loosening of restrictions to clamp down hard on the mask thing. And, and, that's, and this is, this is a, a thing for me. And I, I made a video for technicians a while back because I'm seeing this everywhere. And um, we've just got to hammer on these guys. Listen, we are not protecting ourselves from the clients. When you walk out and you see the client and you're standing six feet away from the car and talking to them outside your risk is, is minimal. It is a tiny risk of you getting infected, standing there and talking to them from six feet away in the outdoor space, right? Where you're going to get infected is from your teammate who is asymptomatic at this point and they're restraining a cat and your face is two feet from there and you're breathing heavily because you're stressed 
and they're mm-hmm. breathing heavily because they're stressed or, or they're holding a big dog who's fighting and you have multiple people uh, uh, holding the dog. Guys, mm-hmm. heavy breathing, panting is one of the reasons that gyms are dangerous places. It is mm-hmm. going to be you working on that pet, drawing blood with your face two feet away from someone who's feeling stress or anxiety mm-hmm. or physical exertion and then breathing in your face and you mm-hmm. sitting there for five minutes mm-hmm. two feet away from someone else while they breathe in your face. That's how you're going to get COVID. And yeah. so we can start to open things up. But I tell you what, the big risk is not the client in the exam room. It is your friends in the back. And we yep. are not hammering that into our teams and they're not hearing it. And so also people say, uh, and we had we had this uh, recently come up in the community. Somebody said, I make my, t- my team wear masks. And they doggone it, they go outside and they all sit together at lunch without their masks on. And I think, why mm-hmm. am I even waking them, making them wear the mask? The answer is you're making them wear the mask for that one person on your staff who has a kid with asthma at home or yeah. who, ha- who is a caretaker for their parents. Because them wearing the mask yeah. is not about protecting them. It is about protecting right. about everybody else. Yep. And so yep. if they are the people who are out not following the rules, those are the people you most want to wear the mask because they are the most likely to get infected and to come into your practice and blow germs everywhere. And so the the people that you see not following the rules outside of work, those are the ones that we need to be all over about wearing the mask in work. And so just think about that. So many of the restrictions that we put on are not to protect the, the individual people, it's to protect the people around the individual people. And so yeah. it is worth fighting those battles as you go back to normal. Same thing uh, with, the, uh, with the clients. Can they start to come into the building? That's your call. I think what right. will happen a lot is my, my advice, if you decide to go that way, is I probably wouldn't go all or none. I would probably <laughs> offer outdoor uh, for, right. oh, you just you just grinned a wicked grin. Um, oh, I was just thinking that's a whole other episode. <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole other episode. That is a whole other. Episode. Don't freak out. But they so remember how we went back to uh, to the different types of clients and where your clients are. Right. I don't want to come in your building. I would like to stay in my car. Right. But there's other people who do not want to stay in their car. Right. Are we able to have a small outdoor area for people who want to stay outside? And then have protocols for people to come into the building, and the and uh, and we may and we have some practices already that are letting people come into the building, uh, but they're requiring that the clients wear a mask, which means you can come into the building if you wear a mask. That's got a whole other set of problems, and believe it or not, there are clients who don't like that too. But those are some of the steps that are in the middle. I think they're beyond the scope of this episode, but just take that as an example of it doesn't have to be all or none. We're going to start to transition, but there are some things that we will reduce uh, security and other things we are going to tighten up security because we cannot afford now that we're all back together to make mistakes and get wiped out. So um, I would communicate it like that and say, we are going to have a different type of stringency. We are not just relaxing stringency. And I think the last, the last thing um, that I would say is have a have a meeting and whatever that looks like for your team if you have space where everybody can be six feet apart if you go stand out in your yard so that all of you guys can be distanced if you do half the team on zoom and half the team in the building whatever is gonna whatever is gonna keep everybody safe have a team meeting 
and let the different teams and pods, if you have split up, talk about what went well while they were separated, what worked for them from a workflow perspective, what, what were they doing? Because I think you will find that there are going to be a lot of differences amongst the team. Even the basics, like you were just saying, Andy, you're, you're talking to them about being more stringent with the cleaning protocols and stuff. If I ask team A how they were cleaning the exam room tables and I ask team B, you might get two different answers. Mm -hmm. And so talk to them about those things, but also let them talk about what went really well for them. Because I think you'll find that being able to share those ideas and talk about um, why it worked will help get buy-in from the skeptical team because you're going to have a team that was doing it one way and felt like they were doing it fine. And a team that was doing it another way felt like they were doing it fine or fantastically. And if you try and put all of those guys together and they've been doing things two different ways, there is going to be a reintegration period where the whole team has to get back on the, this is the way we do it as a, as a group, because you've asked them to figure that out in smaller groups and they did and some of them survived and some of them thrived. And if that is the case in your practice, it's, I think, especially important to let them share the ideas amongst each other about how to come back together and try new things. Because, again, you're talking about more change, more change. And for the team, we survived and we were doing it this way. And the team who was like, oh, we were doing it this way and they were thriving and they're excited about it. That just in and of itself is going to create um, some potentially animosity and some turmoil, but just, just the change factor alone is scary for people. And so creating the opportunity for them to talk about what were they doing from a workflow perspective and also for you as a hospital leadership to see how are they each doing things from the safety perspective stand um, and figure out what is the way you're going to ask them to do those things. Cause if I have a team A that was cleaning one way and a team B that was cleaning another way, and maybe one is right and the other's not, or maybe neither of them is right. And I want to say, this is how I want you to clean. You want to be able to have the opportunity to see all of those things in the beginning and have it be a collaborative approach. I think that that will help kind of some of that bringing it back together and the, um, the bumps in the road that I think everybody is going to experience as they come back together. Yeah. I love that. I think that you have a real opportunity here to inject some positivity in this situation as well. I bet you learned some stuff. I mean, and if you didn't learn some stuff that I, I think, that, I think that's sad. Mm -hmm. um, if you didn't learn some stuff, we need to talk to the team because some stuff was learned and you just didn't right. get it. Um, stuff was right. learned. What did we learn? Because this was a cool experiment. You had two teams. Uh, you had people working without other people. What did we see? Right. You probably saw some leaders emerge. You saw. You probably saw some people step up and fill holes that you didn't know that they would fill. You probably saw some people um, try new things that that actually worked out. Throwing all that stuff away, I I think that's a mistake. And so if you've got somebody who stepped up and they were great. Give them opportunities. Let's grow this person. And if they, uh, if uh, if you have someone who really flourished working independently in a way that you didn't expect, then let's uh, let's give that person some independence that they did they haven't had before. And so think about that. Just say, guys, what has been good about what we were doing? And that's a great. It sets a good tone for the meeting. But let them tell you about what was good. And the last thing I want to say on all this, and then I'll, I'll be done. 
be flexible. Like, be flexible. People are uh, in a state of flux. Everyone's personal life is is up in the air. Um, yeah. For me, I'll tell you, I I um, my kids are summer camps are canceling left, right, and center. I and and that's going to be a thing. I don't have childcare. Yeah. You know, um, my wife uh, works as well, and so we don't have childcare. And so, and and if we're trying to be uh, cautious about our kids, that this is, is we're we're going to have to figure something out. Yeah. And if you were my boss, I hope that you would understand that and go, Andy's. You know, they've got they their regular plan childcare has fallen apart. It's not our fault. We had everything lined up in January. We we right. were booked into right. summer camps. You know, we did everything to be ready and the camps literally last week canceled all through June. And so you're going to have that stuff as well. So just be flexible. And if you've got the person whose kid has asthma or they're taking care of, uh, you know, their, their, their mother, uh, or their, or their grandmother, um, be flexible. Like Mm -hmm. maybe that person can do more cleaning stuff where they're alone. Maybe that person can, can work from home and do phones or, you know, or, or whatever. And that's not the long-term plan. I, at times like this, one of the mistakes that people can really make is getting wrapped up in the idea of precedent of if I let people, um, use zoom for staff meetings. Now they're right. never going to want to come back in. Well, first of all, you're catastrophizing. Right. And, and second of all, I think it's totally valid to say, guys, we're planning on just doing this through the uh, through the summer, and then the expectation will be everybody's coming back. And say it up front. As long right. as you're clear up front, say, guys, we're going to make some concessions for people. We're trying to work with people because of the pandemic. Uh, these are not changes we uh, plan to be long term. However, if we learn some stuff, then we may do things differently in the future. But mm-hmm. this is not the plan for long term. We're going to be doing some things uh, that we probably will not keep up after the summer is going uh, is over. So everybody just know that. And then just be flexible. Don't worry about um, about precedent for the long yeah. term. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. Um, oh, man. This was hopefully, hopefully this was helpful. Yeah. It's a lot of shades of gray, a lot of, so uh, lot of decisions to make, not a lot of clear answers, but hopefully we've given um, a lot of information that people can use and lay things out to help them think and make their own decisions. And I think for, for me, like in having the conversations within our community, especially with, uh, um, you know, other practice owners and managers and, and um, practice leaders, the just hearing that there are so many shades of gray and that there is really no right decision um, that there, that it really has to do with your community, your team, your logistics from a state or local government guidelines, like all of those things really helped me to kind of take the anxiety down a notch because I was like, how do I do this? What's the right call? And I think just remembering that you have to weigh all of that. And even if you, I'm a planner and I'm an obsessor and I stayed up late nights and like looked at all of the things that I was going to have to do and did all of the planning and it still didn't go smoothly and there were bumps in the road and being able to acknowledge that that's probably going to happen. And if it doesn't, great. 
if your team comes back together and it is smooth sailing and everybody is rocking, awesome. Just know that if it doesn't, it's not the end of the world either. You just adapt and change and just be honest and communicate with your team. And it is going to go as well as it possibly can. And if it doesn't go well, then you pivot and you fix some things and you continue to move forward. Yeah. No, I agree. Thanks for doing this for me. I appreciate it. I hope it's useful for people. Um, let's, Let's wrap this thing up and take a break and I'll see you next week. Sounds good. Talk to you next week. Have a great week, you guys. Take care. See ya, everybody. Be well. Bye. Guys, that is our episode. I know it was a long one. I hope it was worth it. We had a lot to unpack here. I, I think I think it's a great episode. I hope that there's a, that you find a lot of value in it. I am really happy I got to have this conversation with Stephanie. You can see different points of view there. You can see how everybody's working through this. So uh, I'm really proud of this episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. If there are things you would like Stephanie Goss and I to tackle, please, 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 please shoot us an email and let us know. The email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. And if you really love the podcast and want to give back All you got to do is go to iTunes and write us an honest review. That means the world to Stephanie and me both. And uh, it's how people find the show. So iTunes and just write us an honest review at Uncharted Vet Podcast. Guys, take care of yourselves. Have a great, great week. And we'll talk to you very soon. Bye.